Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. The theory of evolution is a theory that still evokes a negative response, I'm sure you'll all agree, in religious circles, in Muslim circles, in Christian circles. You'll find that people look at the theory of evolution with contempt. They believe that you're questioning intelligent design and you're questioning therefore God and revelation when you subscribe to evolutionary theory. And so you find that certain Muslim majority countries actually ban the discussion of evolution. When I say they ban the discussion of evolution, what I mean by that is that if you were to look in Saudi Arabia or Algeria or even Oman, there was a period of time where the discussion of evolution of Charles Darwin and what was postulated was not allowed to be taught. Even, I'm sure many of the listeners would agree, that even when we were growing up, as soon as you heard evolution, you thought, no, I don't believe in this. No, this is haram. We do not subscribe to evolution. Are you questioning God's creation? Are you saying that we evolved, for example, in our simple understanding that we evolved, for example, from the monkey or the ape and so on and so forth? And so therefore, when we discussed yesterday about religion's relationship with science, we said that Christianity had a major problem rehabilitating itself and recovering from the way it treated science. And hence, when we saw the Renaissance and when we saw the Reformation, we saw a period where enlightenment was in some cases to be far away from what Revelation was giving us. The reality is that even if I'm going to discuss evolution, whether it's evolution in the Quran or evolution generally, it's important for me to discuss it for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because in the same way thermodynamics and gravity are accepted in the scientific community. Likewise, evolution is accepted in the scientific community. Yes, many Muslims will turn around and say, it's only a theory. It's a theory that can be questioned. It's a theory that can be debated. Whether we like it or we don't, in the world today, there are more people who are going to subscribe to what Darwin has discussed when talking about the origin of species when talking about natural selection, then what religion puts forward. That's on the first level. But on the second level, there shouldn't be a problem discussing the physical world. Because the physical world, to me as a Muslim, is a sub-part of the whole system. The physical world isn't the whole system. It's a sub-part of the whole system. There are many other aspects of life that require discussion. That which we observe of the natural laws or the natural sciences is one part 
of our understanding of what this life is all about. We, unfortunately, when we get scared about discussing evolution, it's as if we're falling into the trap of those who want us to believe that this discussion is the be-all and end-all. For me, discussing the development of primates, the discussion of the development of different creatures in the plant kingdom, in the animal kingdom, in the human kingdom, it's a wonderful discussion. Why would I shy away from it? There are certain scholars in Islamic history who people allude to their discussions about evolution, for example. So it's not like there weren't certain discussions about the development of the human being. Whether you looked at some works which are attributed to the likes of Jahil or Tusi or Maskaway, Ibn Khaldun, all of them in one way or the other have sought to understand our development as human beings. When you hear terms such as Homo erectus, Homo sapien, understanding the development of different creatures, as well as using archaeological evidence, using fossils, this is something wonderful. Because look, one thing we don't ever want to fall into is this trap that there's a war between the evolutionists and the creationists. Because the moment a creationist says, I agree with the theory of evolution, astaghfirullah, kafir, harami, kill him, burn him. The moment someone who believes in the theory of evolution says, listen, there's a possibility of intelligent design here. The likes of Anthony Flew, who were avid atheists their whole life and then become deists right at the end where they recognize that, you know what, that Aristotelian God may have some truth. There needs to be an intelligent designer who's powerful. This structure that we see in front of us too complex. There may be randoms in this world, but not enough for me to deny that there must have been an intelligent designer. What we can never fall into is this trap that I'm purely a creationist and I'm anti-evolution. Or the other side, I'm purely evolution and I don't want to hear about creation. Because the reality is that our knowledge of the physical world is still in flux. Do you agree? Even in the world of science, what's it mainly about? They want you to continue to observe, continue to experiment, hypothesis, come back and forth and give your arguments back and forth. Even our knowledge of the world, there are certain things we know about DNA. There's no way that even our own Muslim scholars in some cases 500 years ago did. No. Many of them didn't know about some of the things we know about DNA. Many of them may have looked at certain aspects of natural selection or adaptation, may have thought, you know what? Darwin and Wallace have a point over here. There's something, there's something true here. In the same way, if I turn that around, if you were living in the time of, for example, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his family, and someone bought you an iPhone, you'd look at that as a miracle. Whereas today you look at it as the development of science. If you were living in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, 
And at that time, someone was showing you, for example, this idea that there one day will be a machine with wings that will take you up above the seventh heaven. You'll be like, that's absurd. But now we fly on them. Or we used to pre-COVID. So now we don't want to fall in this trap where we give conclusions about the natural world. Rather, we want to enjoy the way Darwin enjoyed. Now, someone might call me <clears throat> an apostate after I just said that line. We should enjoy the way who enjoyed? Darwin. Said Ammar. Astaghfirullah. How dare you say we should enjoy the way Darwin enjoyed? Darwin loved to travel. <clears throat> Darwin loved to observe. He does in reality what the Quran wants him to do. Because the Quran itself, if you look for example, Surah 29 verse 20 of the Quran. My dear viewers at home, today I'm going to make you move from one side of the Quran to the other and I want a cut or a commission of your thawab inshallah. Surah 29 of the Quran, Yasser. <clears throat> verse number 20. Darwin, when he travels to South America, aboard HMS Beagle, when he travels to South America and he travels to Australia, he's traveling to observe life, to observe different forms of life. Do we agree? Because we have to admit, there is a close evolutionary relationship amongst all primates. We agree with those who espouse randomness. One thing is that there is a close evolutionary relationship between all primates. Darwin, in Surah 29 verse 20, when the Quran says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, قُلْ سِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَانْظُرُوا كَيْفَ بَدَأَ الْخَلْقَ Travel in the earth and see how creation was originated. What's he doing? Because what's the lead up to his theory? Darwin doesn't just wake up one day and have a theory. What's the lead up to his theory about how we came about or how we evolved or how we developed or how we integrated or how we adapt adapted? Darwin goes to South America and goes to Australia. He looks at all these different forms of plants and animals and it's so wonderful. This is intriguing. Those who go deep sea diving 60 feet below, they're seeing all these different forms of animals, different creations of God, creations that you know of, creations that you don't. And he becomes intrigued by this. Why? Because what he looks at, he sees finches. He sees beaks of different shapes. He begins to ask a question about these animals. Because the birds in this world are wonderful. The birds are beautiful. Wherever you travel on the earth and you come across a new bird and you're looking at that bird and you're thinking to yourself, wow, some of us may think that this has come purely from intelligent design. Others might think it's randomness. But Darwin begins to look and he begins to ask the question. These are all finches, but they look different to each other. How have they adapted to their environment? And how do they survive? Because there must be something about how we've survived. How have animals survived all this time? There are certain aspects of what then is developed that I'm sure you'll all 
agree with me on. Species that are now exist are now extinct that existed a long time ago. Do we all agree on that? So does Islam believe in dinosaurs? Listen, if fossils are showing me, then why should I reject? Does Islam believe in dinosaurs? Yes. Does evolution say that there are species that are now extinct that lived a long time ago? Yes. Does evolution say that the age of this earth spans billions of years? Yes. Do we agree with that as Muslims? Yes. I showed yesterday. Nabi Adam salam, father of this generation, doesn't mean that there weren't generations before him. Do we also agree to an incredible diversity in life forms? This is Darwin. There's an incredible diversity in life forms or there isn't? Also similarity across these species. So diversity and similarity. Do we all agree? There's only certain areas that we may differ. But where we agree on with Darwin is unless you travel on this earth. And unless you observe. Go to Surah 67 verse number 3 of the Quran. Surah 67 verse number 3. Many of you at home would have read this particular surah and verse. You go to Surah Al-Mulk. And when you go to Surah Al-Mulk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to be a scientist. Being a scientist is simply you studying the laws of the universe, the constants. You're not doing anything blasphemous. He created the seven heaven layers, above layers. You will not see in the creation of God any defect or incongruity. But the main thing is, what does God want us to do? To look at His creation. Do you agree? No, look again. Don't just look once. Don't just look and say, yes, it exists. Don't just look and start giving theories. Look again. Think back. Ask yourself, how does all this come about? Someone says, but do you know the problem with you religion people? Yes, your Quran, we admit. It says travel on the earth, be like Darwin. That we agree with. And your Quran says look like Darwin looked. And no, don't just look once. Keep looking again. Bring those eyes back and have a look again. Problem with you guys is you end up using rational and not always using the empirical. And you end up using philosophy alongside science. Firstly, if you're telling me that every conclusion I reach has to be something that I see or I touch or I taste or I smell or I hear, the empirical, even that that you're telling me comes from rational sentence. That sentence, can it be disproved in a science lab? That you can only use your senses and anything outside of the senses cannot be used? No. So even that is not something that I can even examine in a lab. Secondly, they're right because I will use some philosophy because this is only a sub-part of the world I live in, not the be-all and end-all. When I'm going to use philosophy in relation to all this creation, it's because I come across certain moments where observation stops. When I come across certain moments where observation stops after that, what do I do? You observe and I observe after that. 
You describe and I describe. We go in a world, you want to call it philosophy or we'll call it speculation. Which moment do scientists across the board agree on is the moment that, bef that before that, we can't use scientific apparatus to know exactly what happened. What do they call that moment? Planck's moment. Big Bang is discussed. If you go to, and I'm not going to say the Quran, look, I don't like falling into this trap of the Quran discusses Big Bang. What I do know is that the Quran gives you certain guidances on then you doing further research with the tools that you have. After Big Bang, we're able to use apparatus, mathematics, science, and so on. Planck's moment before that, we go in a world of asking what's going on. Because let's all go Surah 21, my dear brothers and sisters. People always ask Big Bang in the Quran. Does it discuss the Big Bang? Doesn't it? It certainly discusses something that's happening and the primordial soup. Let's go to Surah 21 of the Quran, verse number 30. We've all agreed that the genetic code begins, cells begin to form, they're all incorporated in life on earth, the metabolism, energy is formed in body organisms, okay? Um, they utilize food like sugars, carbohydrates. All of this, I see, occurs in what's known in a water basin, known as the primordial soup. Because they'll always say to you, do you know Yasser? Do you know Said Mahsan? Do you know Zamir? Do you know Minhal? How did we all come about? Randomly, you know, there's genetic code and cells begin to form. There's certain reactions and you, the human being, come about. That's one angle. And they say that what happens is all this occurs in a water basin known as the primordial soup i want everybody at home to discuss this with their families the water basin known as the primordial soup if sometimes now you ask online if you asked online how did life begin you'll see online it says life originated near a deep sea hypothermal vent we have a water basin we have soup we have a deep sea hypothermal vent. Water, 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 water. Okay? Surah 21 verse 30. Do those who not believe in our theory of intelligent design. The heavens and the earth were one piece. And then we open them up, we expand them, we clave them asunder. What do we normally call this? The Big Bang. People normally call it the Big Bang. I don't want to fall in the trap of saying the Quran is a science book, the Quran proves that, and so on and so forth. But heavens and the earth were one, and then... <laughs> the world of science before this moment cannot give you any more discussion. You ask Hawking, you ask others, Planck's moment, before that, it's either speculation or it's philosophy. I really don't mind because that's the limitations of science. Science, observe, 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 observe. Then what? Then how do I understand the meaning of this whole life? Because this is only a subset of life. The Quran says, no, 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 hold on. Observe the fact that the heavens and the earth at one moment 
work left asunder. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ And we made of water كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَيْ Everything that's alive. Is Islam against evolution? No. Why should it be? If evolution is telling me about a genetic code, it's telling me about the development from a single cell. No problem, no problem. And it's talking about reactions according in this, uh, occurring in this primordial soup. Sorry if I'm making you guys hungry. I know iftar is only about an hour away. Water basin, primordial soup. The Quran here says we created everything from, from what? Water is the, si is the source of all creatures' life. And almost all creatures, what are they made up of the most? Water. Muslims, why have you got a problem with the theory of evolution? If it says that there are adaptations because of those finches, we agree. If it says natural selection, we agree. Selective types of breeding, then how do we have antibiotics and certain vaccines? You're trying to see survival. Who's going to survive? Some people survive, some don't. If you're telling me about a water basin and a primordial soup, we agree. You know, many times when Muslims say, uh, you ask a Muslim, how were you created? They always say, Allah said, kun fayakun. So what's waja'alna min al-ma'i? Maybe our understanding of intelligence design, Darwin had found better than we have. Someone said, Ammar, it says, the Amr of Allah, if he wants something, he says, be and it will be. I have no doubt. Because I believe in a God where he is beyond the dimensions of time and space. Big Bang is for us. Before that, before Planck's moment, we go to an intelligent design. And that's only me. But if you're telling me evolution is telling me that there's mutations that occur in the environment, definitely. Why not? If evolution is telling me that there's adaptations in the environment, of course there are. So even us as human beings, how did we survive in certain areas? Other animals, how do they survive in areas? Some their beaks are bigger, some their... You look at the moth. At one time, moths were all eaten up because they had different colors. Then when there was smog in London, the darker the moth, the more it survived. So even in the world of moths, there is an adaptation to the environment. There are some people who survive, some don't. We have people in our family, genetically they survive. Others, heart attack, 38, 41, 47, yes, survival of the fittest. But there's a difference. While we agree with survival of the fittest human, a human who adapts, a human who procreates, a human who's so similar to other primates, we agree, primates. Where's the difference for us? First and foremost, is that this human is the most honored creation in this whole soup. In the Quran, the human is honored in many ways. First, the spirit of the Lord is breathed into the human. 
that is not something we necessarily see when I'm discussing science, but nor does science need to take that leap. No problem. Let science remain where science is. The human, when God says that we breathed our spirit into the human, that ruh takes you above being purely physical. Now you are soul and body. And because of that, what do you become? Because that first interaction of soul and body I mentioned yesterday, chapter 7, verse 172. There is this discussion between God and souls. Do you remember that discussion? I don't remember that discussion. But the Quran says there was a discussion where we aren't just evolved creatures. Bring me fossils and show me when I lived and show me all the laws of how I evolved. I haven't got a problem with that. But I, the human being, according to Islam, first and foremost, I'm honored because of the soul the Lord gave me. I'm not just physical. There are animals who live in this world. They can't recollect. They can't appreciate history. They can't appreciate art. Even language is a gift I've been given others haven't. We used to have an African grey parrot at home. Casco, Kasoko. African grey can speak. But how much do you have to speak for it to speak? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. African grey can become Shakespeare, can become Lao Zhu, can become Gibran. The human being alone, the language that they have, God mentions as fundamental in differentiating with all other creatures. Famous Surah 55. Go quickly to Surah 55 of the Holy Quran, my dear brothers and sisters. All of you know the Surah inside out, but it reminds us that there is a difference between us and the other primates who I do not deny that we're similar to. But there's certain differences which make me a human and which make you as crazy as a monkey. Surah 55, verse number what? Verse number one. Read it for me, please, my dearest brother Minhal. Read me the first few verses. Ar-Rahman, the merciful. These translations, I'm only using what's there. I could go deeper into the original etymology, but no problem. Ar-Rahman, allam al-Qur'an. Khalaq al-insan. Allamahul. Taught him what? Expression. Who can write? Who can produce what the human has produced? Who can recollect and reflect on their history? Now do you see what I'm doing? If I stick to science as the be-all and end-all, I haven't described the human. But if I say science is a subset, let's observe, let's appreciate, let's look at the fossils, then I'm open for more discussion about the greatness of that human being. Therefore, how does Allah talk about the human being in the Quran? Surah 17, verse number 70. Go to Surah 17, verse number 70. If ever anyone asks you, you know, how does Islam view the human being? This ayah is wonderful. Surah 17, my dear brothers and sisters at home, verse number 70. I don't even need to say anything else. And we indeed have honored the children of Adam. I'm just going to stop there. Is there a better line that we have honored 
the children of Adam. Further than that, chapter seven, uh, which surah, uh, which other surah can we refer to? The human also different from other primates. There's a primordial nature unique to them. A primordial nature that recognizes the Lord. Chapter 30, verse 30. Go to chapter 30, verse number 30. And you'll see this discussion in Islamic thought when it comes to the identity of the human. Honored by God, God's caliph on earth, with a soul and a primordial nature that makes them different to the world of animals. Set your face upright on the right religion. Fitrat Allah. Natural devotion to God. A nature caused by God in which he has made people. When we say God creates an Islam, stop focusing on just design. Focus on what is the makeup of that creation. What's the identity? Human, caliph of God, rep of God on earth, soul, primordial nature. Ability to express like no other primate has ever been able to. That is the human in the eyes of God. Even if I go a bit further, Darwinism, while many discuss it biologically, one of its problems is what? Is social Darwinism. Social Darwinism, I'm looking at the idea that good and bad, right and wrong are not universal concepts. Good and bad, right and wrong, relative. Not universal concepts. Don't be utilitarian. Right and wrong are not universal concepts. Again, in the makeup of the human being in the Quran, Allah will tell us, for example, which surah, if you look in, in, in I think, probably uh, surah to Shams. You don't have to go to it, my dear sisters, because there's so many verses to come. But, by the soul of the human or the self of the human and the one who perfected it, Alham, laham means to literally force down the throat. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا He inspired it to be able to either destroy itself through doing bad or cover itself through doing good. Successful, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ Successful is the one who purifies their soul. So for us, when we're looking at Darwinism, there is a social construct which we reject as well. That there's no such thing necessarily. And this comes later on and the way colonialism happens. You can go into an anthropological discussion on this. But the main point for us, number one, the identity of the human being. An interaction through a primordial nature with a soul. Expression. This is a different creature altogether. I don't mind even if you say to me that we all came from a single cell. Where did that single cell come from? Because all we're going to go back is to infinite regression. And that's why another area that we differ with. So we said that the theory of evolution, there's many parts of it we agree with. We said parts of survival of the fittest and mutations and adaptations and the environment, the existence of the earth and, for example, certain species being extinct and other survival. We agree. We said, however, it doesn't offer me an understanding of a moral worldview. Not at all. Because I, I, empirically, I can't test some of these moral constructs. What else is a problem? Randomness. 
Look, I don't mind if you want to believe that all this is random. I don't know, you, you want to go to a mathematician like Penrose, or you want to go to an ex-atheist like Flu. They're going to turn around to you and say, listen, I know there's some random stuff, but not that random for you to reject that there must have been a, a designer. Yes, you can be a deist, they'll say. You don't have to believe in the Lord of Muhammad and Moses. Because Einstein or Anthony Flew couldn't conceive of or accept why there's evil. So the God of Moses or the God of Jesus or Muhammad, they may reject. But they'll say that there is a God. And that's why in the Quran, God keeps on reminding us that look at the creation. You know, even where is the verse in the Quran? Oh God, I knew I should have done my research on this one. You know how Darwin observed the finches? And it made him think. Even in the Quran, God tells us, look at the creation of the birds. I think in Surah 16, it's, it's, it's 1679, I think, or 1689. Try and get there, my dear brothers and sisters. Surah 16, is it 79? Yes, alhamdulillah, otherwise that could have gone horribly wrong. In Surah 16 in the Quran, verse number 79, God wants you to observe creation. And the main point is that the randomness aspect of all of us emerging randomly and there's no purpose, that is rejected. Surah 16, verse 79, do they, not, do they not look towards the birds? They are poised in the air and the sky. Nothing holds them. But Allah. Verily, these are signs for a people who believe. I don't deny if you want to show me results of birds and their evolution, birds and their survival, but do not tell me that this bird was a creation in vain. Rather, I am the one. Just look at it. Look at the poise. And do you ever ask who looks after its journeys? And who has structured it the way it's been structured? If you look, for example, Surah 31 verse 11. Let's go 31, 11. Um, in Surah 31 verse number 11, you've got this wonderful discussion here. Again, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to reflect on this creation. In Surah Luqman, verse number 11, what does God say? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Hatha khalqullah. This is the creation of Allah. Fa'aruni, show me. Matha khalaqalladhina min dunih. This is the creation of Allah. Show me those who you call upon besides Him. What did they create? What did they create? Another ayah of the Quran. In Surah 38, verse 27. There is this wonderful ayah as well where God again takes us to his creation. But this time, you know what he's saying? Don't say it's random, I beg you. Randomness, we reject. There is a purpose. There is an intelligence. There is a power. Verse 27 of Surah 38. We created not the heavens, nor the earth, and what is between them. Batilan in vain. This is the imagination of those who disbelieve. Woe be to those who disbelieve because of the fire. I remember when when I when I was younger, we I think Frederick Canute and Nicholas Anelka both converted to Islam in a certain period. And 
Canute was discussing his conversion. And there was, there was a stream of, I think, French players who had converted. And of the verses that affected them was this. We did not create all of this in vain. Don't say it's random. Of course, if someone wants to say it's random, I'm not here to compel someone to follow my worldview. My worldview here is saying what? It's saying that Darwin's theory, there are many things we agree with. But if we were to differ on certain things, we differ maybe on where does it offer us more? What does it offer us morally? Randomness and macrocosm evolution or microcosm evolution? What do we mean? Species changing within one another, we can see. There's changes within a species, I can see. The beak is bigger, the beak is smaller, the beak is longer, the legs are bigger, the legs are smaller, the feathers, the wings and so on. That we cannot deny. Microcosm. Microevolution. On a microcosmic level, we don't have a problem with. But a change of an entire species into another macroevolution, that's where the difference is. So when someone turns around to you and says to you, so do you guys, for example, believe in evolution? You could say on what? Microevolution? Or are you asking me about macroevolution? Microevolution, you can show me. And don't just show me. I want to see. I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy the development of the survival of these animals. But you telling me of a complete species change, not only is it so hard to replicate in the lab, I think you'll agree with me. Has anyone replicated that whole species change in the lab yet? No, it hasn't been done. Someone might say, yeah, but you know science, we keep looking. Okay, keep looking, there's no problem. This is a sub-part of my worldview, not my whole worldview. So you're not going to really hurt me by showing me. But for me, going down the line that the human being with their morals, with their potential, with their capability. Yes, I agree. Animals sleep, we sleep. Animals eat, we eat. Animals have sex, we have sex. But above that, the rational intelligence and the level that the human can reach. Which animal can ever lay claim that it came near Einstein's mind? Or it comes near the minds of many of the great philosophers and the great mystics? That's where we have a difference. So you see, for us, originally, there was an important point, and that is don't get thrown into the idea that this is the meaning of life, the physical. No, rather, this is a part of it. And that's why when you look within the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala virtually concludes this whole discussion in a unique way. And what way is that? is that he actually tells you that, listen, you can look for many great artists because the reality is that when we're looking at the creation, we obviously look for the creator. And so when I'm looking at theories which are postulated, and I wouldn't just say Darwin, I'd say those who come a lot later because Darwin, there is still a possibility of a discussion of observing the laws without denying the creator. There is still that possibility. Whereas those who come later, no, you observe all of this, there's no such thing as God, this is all fairy tales. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, does he lose sleep? No. La taqadha salatu wala. No. In the Quran and Surah 27, verse number 88, God replies back to those who say, there is no intelligent designer behind all of this. This is just a soup. It was brewing and it just 
came forth in front of all of us in Surah 27, verse number 88. God wants to show you that those who are saying such things, we don't lose any sleep. Why? Because just even look at the mountains. Even the mountains we wouldn't put in a world of randomness. You will see the mountains which you think are firm, solid, but they pass away like the passing clouds. What does it then say after that, Minhal? This is the artistry of Allah. Who has made everything firm. This is beautiful. Emis, last night we looked at the difference between insan and bashar. When we created the human, then we talked of the bashar called Adam. Sometimes Islam, Muslims say, Allah khalaqa. Look here, there's a difference. From khalaqa, we have sana. We have the idea of an artistry, a sculpture. You can't fathom creation. Then fathom the sculpture that I bring before you. And many of you have not even laid eyes on that sculpture. You've seen humans and some of the animals. But many of you have not seen all of them. And many of you have not seen plants. You will never see a sculpture. You will never see an artist like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore for us, we look at ayahs in the Quran which conclude this whole discussion in Surah 82 of the Quran. Look how many times Allah just wants you to wake up to the reality of the fact that all you have to do is observe and you'll realize that this was from intelligent design and that the human being is the highest creation in many cases except when they misbehave. In Surah 82 verse number 6, Ya ayyuhal insanu ma bi rabbikal kareem O man, what has beguiled you from your Lord the most gracious? Alladhi the one who created. We won't stop there. Fasawaka and fashioned. Fa'adalak and justly proportioned. Whichever formed he willed, he casted you. But you belie the day of judgment. That means that those who had a debate about intelligence design versus randomness existed when the Quran was around. And it'll continue to exist. And there is no compulsion. They want to follow what they want to follow. It's up to them. But for us as Muslims, the Quran was open to discussion of biology. It was open to discussion of the development of the human being. It was open to development of the creation, of the, the creation that we see around us. All it said is that you know what? There might have been an intelligence designer before this. If before Planck's moment you are able to continue to find, continue to research. There's no problem. And that's why I love this one quote, which I thought I'll read for all of you. There is a grandeur in this view of life with its several powers. Having been originally breathed by the Creator into a few forms or into one. And that whilst this planet has gone Cycling on according to the fixed laws of gravity from so simple a beginning, endless forms of beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. That's the quote of Sayyid Ammar Naqshawani? No. Charles Darwin. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.